Good morning and welcome church family. We have a few announcements today for you. The first that I want to draw your attention to is tonight we will have the block party. And if you are available and haven't signed up yet, please see myself or Erica and we'll get you signed up for a time that is preferable to you. And we'll walk through the, the houses, the new house and the Meridian house and the church and we'll enjoy some treats and food together. And then you can make your way over to the pathway to lights of lights and more will be said about that. The next thing is in a couple of days is the Cypress Christmas program. So if you'd like to attend that, the details are in the bulletin. And you might notice in front of you are these little cards sticking out in the hymnals. These are so, if you are thinking of someone in this church or someone who is not able to attend, attend church and you would like to write a letter to them, you can hand these to me after the service and Pastor Kevin and I will make sure that these get sent out to those people that you have addressed it to. The other one is you'll see this flyer in your bulletin for the Candlelight Christmas concert. We are encouraging you to take a picture of this and then give it to someone else that does not go here because we would like this room to be filled and for it to be very merry and jolly. Um, then I will invite Terry up for the rest of the announcements. So many announcements. Um, last week I forgot to mention that I am looking for people to help with snacks after church. I have an opening for someone for next week and then there are weeks available in January and February. So if that's something that you'd like to try out or willing to do again, you would be most welcome. Contact me. And then tonight, in addition to the block party, there's the Pathway of Lights, where we traditionally hand out hot drinks to the people walking by to see the lights around the lake. Um, the Pathway of Lights happens from 4.30 to 7.30, so we will be out there, well, we'll be setting up before 4.30, and we'll be out there till 7.30. Um, if that's something you'd like to help with, volunteers are needed, for sure. And then, Pathway of Lights, that, oh, Greenwood Elementary School Giving. Um, today's the last day to give me money in person if you want to give money for those Greenwood Elementary needy families. We're helping 14 families this year, which is less than we traditionally have helped. Um, I don't know why the school only has 14 needy families this year instead of 20 or 25, but that's what they told me. Um, I do love this because you know that the elementary school has already screened these families, knows that they're very needy. Um, and this money that we give goes to help them through the holidays when they're not at school getting free lunch and breakfast. And then the families can also buy gifts or whatever the household needs with the money that we give them. Um, so you can give online on the website. You may have to look on the second list and find, it'll say something about elementary giving. You can send money, you can give me money, you can um, call me up and tell me how much money you're sending. You can also send me money via Zelle. And last in two weeks, we will have the uh, Christmas breakfast, and that happens every year, and it's always really wonderful, so I invite you to participate in that. And I also invite you to participate to get up and greet one another and pass the peace.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we could be here today. We thank you for your presence, for your love, your peace. And we ask that you give us joy and hope. We ask that you come into this space and that we would fill your presence with us today. In your name we pray, amen. Uncontainable, irrepressible, bubbling up in an explosion of energy. What the weary long for, what children often embody, what makes the divine smile, joy. It cannot be paid for, but is a priceless treasure. As we hope for your arrival, as we pray for peace in your living, as we wait and watch and wonder how you might reveal yourself to us, God, Give us the joy in your advent. Joy is not a commodity that can be bought or sold, but lives deep in the human spirit. Help us to hear that truth and believe it. Let go of what our consumer culture says will bring us happiness, money, success, a scramble to the top that leaves us flat. If we have robbed others of what they need in our clamor and quest for more than our fair share, Forgive us. Help us hear the call of John the Baptist to turn around and begin again. God of love, we were made in joy. May we live that way. We light a candle for joy. May it light the way. It was beautiful music and the importance of lighting the candle. <clears throat> How many of you remember Dorcas Society? Can I see your hands? There are a few. Do you realize that next year will be the 150th anniversary of Dorcas? The Dorcas Society was the original organization that was an arm of the church to reach out and help those who were in need. It then underwent several transformations to other names, and now it, of course, is called the Adventist Community Services, ACS. We are not terribly active in this area with, in connection with uh, ACS, um, but in the Midwest and on the East Coast, it is much more active. Actually, the Emerald City Church here 
Kirkland and Bellevue, I think, are the only ones in this area who have some program, but it's not sort of front of mind for most of us. <clears throat> There's an international counterpart, of course, which we're probably more familiar with, and that is ADRA. So they're the two arms of the church, ACS, Adventist Community Services in the US, and ADRA overseas and internationally. The offering today is for um, Adventist Community Services. Um, they will work in inner cities. They will be working on um, homeless problems. They were very active in the Maui fire, Lahaina. Um, in Washington, they even have a program at Walla Walla University. It's called a tool lending program. So anybody in the community who needs a, a um, drill or whatever piece of equipment they need for their work, they can go to Walla Walla and they can uh, to the ACS and get a tool. So very active in the Southwest during all the hurricanes. Um, so think of it as a counterpart of the Red Cross. So if you donate to the Red Cross or similar organizations, keep the ACS in, ACS in mind, even if it isn't as active in our area. I've often wondered why we didn't have sort of a branch here at the Green Lake Church, but we've got enough other stuff on our plate. So that's what the offering will be this morning. But that's not my main message, so you can relax, Alan. <laughs> um, Ken Walters twisted my arm and wanted me to say a few words about another offering issue. Um, <clears throat> so let me spend a few minutes on that. What if I told you that just earlier this week, the Green Lake Foundation had a special meeting and decided that the house we had just purchased over here next to the church was really beyond our capacity to manage. And we're gonna put it back on the market. Now's a good, now's a good time, housing shortage. We're gonna put it back on the market. Some of you here may say, huh, finally somebody's getting realistic about all these fundraising efforts. A few might say, hmm, well, okay, maybe, I could, maybe they'll give me a refund now for what I already donated, because I could sure use it shopping for stuff at Christmas. But there may be some who'd say, are they out of their minds? Um, what are they thinking? This is something that the church has dreamed about for 75 years to try to regain this property, which the church owned originally when this church was built, but because they had a big overrun, it was right after the war, remember, lots of complications, a large overrun on the cost of the church, the loan from the conference had to be paid back and they didn't have the money and so they had to sell the property to pay the conference back. And ever since we came here, Verla and I came here over 50 years ago, we've been hearing stories about, you know, we really should never have sold that. But <clears throat> that was the story for a long time. So, for the last 60 years, that house has not been on the market. It's been owned by the Holding family, who are a major Seattle family, and they have other relatives living right around here in the Green Lake area. And they, um, Don had worked on them, Don Mayer had worked on them for the last several years and kept asking if we could, you know, make a little arrangement with them, uh, right, first right of refusal or whatever. They weren't interested. We're not going to sell. We're in long-time Seattleites. We're going to stay in this area. Um, so we didn't have any inkling that this might be a possibility. 
And then, stunningly, in April of this year, Don called and said, they've asked whether we want to buy the house. And I said, what? Yeah. So what do we do now? I mean, we're in a bit of a pickle, right? We had bought the Jensen house some years ago, started the housing ministry. Then the house on the corner became available. And the whole idea was we buy the Jensen house. Then when the house next to the church becomes available, we'll sell that house and we'll buy this one. So here was an opportunity to buy the Meridian house. Are we going to sell the Jensen house? Oh, no. Nobody was going to vote for that. We're not going to sell the Jensen house. <laughs> That's become such a prize. We're just going to have to suck it up and um, try to buy the Meridian house. So we did that. But we were really tapping into the congregation pretty heavily at that point. So what happened next? This house becomes available. Now what do we do? We can't go back to the congregation another time and say, hey folks, uh, guess what? So we really, we really thought about this a lot and had a lot of discussions about it. But by July, the board, Green Lake Foundation board voted that we should go ahead. We didn't really have a choice. Um, it was very unlikely we would ever get this chance again. Uh, as I said, it hadn't been on the market for 60 years and they were not, had not planned to sell. And then the other question was, what happens if it is bought by a developer who puts up a fourplex or whatever? Is that going to be something we're going to be enthusiastic about? Probably not. So it's a little bit like, you know what just happened? I have to mention this, excuse me. The Huskies just, for the first time in Pac-12 history, won the championship without losing a game all season. Never happened before, they managed that. It's a once in a, it's a, once in a generation opportunity. That's sort of what this is. This is a once, not just once in a generation, this is a once in a lifetime, once in forever opportunity. So could we really step back and say, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this. So the question is, okay, the board voted, now how are we gonna get there? This is the worst possible time to try to buy property. When we bought the Jensen House, it was absolutely obvious to make an investment in real estate at that point. Interest rates were at historic lows. Um, housing prices had dropped dramatically because of the mortgage meltdown. It was the right thing to do to diversify the foundation portfolio. This is absolutely the wrong time to do it. Interest rates were between eight and 9% for the foundation. Foundation is treated as a corporation not as a homeowner type buyer. So if the homeowner rate is seven or seven and a half percent, ours is eight and a half to nine percent. So that was a hill too, too hard to climb. So that was a big obstacle just in itself. That housing prices had surged dramatically in Seattle, as we all know. And how are we gonna manage this? Particularly since we had just bought the Meridian House. Should we sell the Meridian House now? Or the Jensen House? No, no, was the answer for most people. We've got to try to do this. Well, it's easy to say you have to do this. The question is, how do you do this? So and we wouldn't even be able to have gotten a loan, probably a mortgage on the house. So we have to find some other strategies in order to make this all pencil out. And I won't go into the details here, but um, amazingly, one day some angels visited Rona and they said, we'd like to help. We'd like to help make this possible. 
and maybe we can put together enough money for the down payment and a little bit more uh, if you think there's some way we can swing the rest of it. Wow, that was stunning. And the, eye, and the number, of course, was eye-popping to start with, but now how are we going to get the rest of it? Because we had talked to the owner, the Holdings, and they had assured us from the outset they were not interested in carrying back a note. And so, well, that avenue seemed closed, but we decided we would forge ahead anyhow, never, never take no for an answer. So we discussed, Rona and I discussed this with them at length, several meetings over it, and finally Rona put together a spreadsheet and showed them how much it benefited them tax-wise if they spread out the pay payments. Finally, they came back and said, after he had talked to his accountant, and said, you know, <clears throat> we were talking about 500 carryback. How about 700,000 carryback? <laughs> which was even better for us. So that was kind of miraculous in its, in its own sense. Um, and there were a number of these sort of events that, um, that happened. But we still had to find a plausible way of, of getting the rest of it. And so um, Rona presented an outline to the board, and we felt that we could probably swing it, and so we went ahead. Well, you know, we, we closed in September, bought the house in September, and we now have it. But it's not just a property. It's not just a lot. No, we're just invest in real estate. That wouldn't be very smart. This is a unique situation. First of all, where else are you going to buy waterfront property at reasonable rates in the Seattle area? We're virtually waterfront property. You've got a view of Green Lake. And it's not just waterfront property. It's Green Lake, which is the hottest market in the city. So that was one factor. But that wasn't all. The even more amazing thing was it wasn't just a house sitting here next door. It just happened to have an annex with two, two studio apartments. Now, what do you think that would be useful for? Some homeowners might say, we don't want a studio apartment. That's just another headache for us. No, no, we have a housing ministry. And Karen has told us repeatedly, I have too many people needing homes uh, who have temporary housing needs when they come to Seattle for medical treatments or otherwise and I don't know how to accommodate them because sometimes I have to turn them away. Well, this will serve the housing ministry in a very, very productive way. So <clears throat> there were so many advantages to doing this. I know there have been, been many earnest prayers that have been offered um, to find ways to make this possible, and I think we saw one step after another in which, in fact, that happened. So we all realize that many of you are facing challenges of your own um, that would not make this easy, but just remember the widow's mites. Um, she gave what she could, and every mite counts, as they say. So we want, the board has, every member of the board of the Green Lake Foundation has participated, and we're hoping it would be nice if we could have, be able to say the entire congregation thought this was so important that everybody has given, no matter how much everybody has contributed. So we just, put, we just post the church list up there, not just names of people who gave. So we invite you to think about that as you pray and consider the uh, opportunities here and the meaningful impact this can have for the congregation. So with that, I think I will ask the deacons to stand and uh, we will have a prayer for the offering. <clears throat> We give thanks for this remarkable opportunity that we have been blessed with. 
We are grateful for those who have provided the financial foundation that has allowed us to proceed down this path, the enormous generosity of the congregation in the past, and the support for the housing ministry and the collegiate ministry. We pray for continued blessings, and as we think about what we can do for this particular project this year, we ask for your blessing and your guidance. We also remember all of those who are serving in the Adventist uh, community services and the good work that they are doing as we give our offerings today. Amen. Thank you. 
Hello, guys. Um, I don't know if many of you guys know who I am, but I'm Pastor Raven's husband. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that have led up to this of having a children's story. Um, and I want to talk to you guys about joy. Um, can one of you guys tell me kind of what you think joy is? Anyone? Mira? Sorry, I'm really, you and your brother are the only real names I know, so. <laughs> um, so, let me give you an example. This week, I have spent a lot of time in church, and I've just been meddling with different things and trying to figure out how our sound system works. Well, I ran into this really awesome thing. I don't know if you guys will enjoy it, but... <laughs> I definitely did when I found out. I don't know if our friends online can hear it, but I was able to change my voice pitch. And I was able to do this with a series of modifications with the sound system. And I could also do a lot of effects with it. So I could also go down and change the, how deep my voice can get. Yeah, so that, that's one thing I want to show you. That brought me joy, personally. Um, and so I don't think a lot of people find that as joy. Um, but that's one experience I want to tell you guys about um, with joy. Um, and also another um, thing that we can also do with joy is the joy of being able to know um, or have a close relationship with God. And I don't think... If you guys have ever felt a joy that like, having that personal connection with God, because um, when you have joy, it's something that can't get torn down really easily, right? Say if your mom gives you $5, that's joy. I love $5, right? Because what can you get with $5? Can someone tell me? Ethan? A $5 gift card. <laughs> Good guy. There you go. $5 gift card. Okay. Do you have an idea? Okay, Andrew. Cleaning the toilet for $5? Okay. Ethan? A Big Mac. I personally know that's true. Um, I do like me a Big Mac, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that's... That's a pretty good, um, what's it called? Those are good examples that bring joy as well. Um, but going back to tying it to that close relationship with God that we can all have is, I think you guys have it really well with being able to tell others as well about this joy. Because when you have those $5, you are quick to be like, Ethan, I got $5. What can we do with $5? And like Ethan said, we can go get a Big Mac split it in half, share the joy. And I think that's what we all kind of have to do. Even if it's not a Big Mac, like I like sometimes, but um, we can all share the joy with everyone. So I think that's something I want to urge you as, you know, kids, um, I want to urge you guys to share, share the little joys in life. Share the experiences you guys have with listening to Pastor Kevin and his sermon you know, because I love Pastor Kevin's sermons, so, and also Pastor Raven's, but 
I listened to those five times before you guys listened to them, so just kidding. She doesn't share with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to share that with you guys, and so now we can get our blue buckets. If you can, please kneel down so that we are joined in prayer. Our gracious Father who art in heaven, we thank you for your love and care. We thank you for the gift of life and for the opportunity to assemble before you this morning in prayer. Now that we are assembled, we pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit among us so that, Lord, everything will be well guided, that everything that we shall do and say in this church and on this pulpit today will be in honor of your name. On behalf of your children, Father, this morning, your children who are assembled here, those that are watching us online, and especially those that brought their names forth for prayer, such as Dorothy, Russell, Chadela Wadas, Barry, Anne, Jody, Ellen, Aileen, Nasa, Galen, Donna, and Canvas Forson. Father, I pray that you may meet your children at their points of need. Where there is poor health, I pray that you may bring healing. Where there is conflict, I pray that you may bring peace. I pray, Father, that above all, you may point us all to your path of righteousness, that we may walk uh, in, in lives, uh, lifestyles that honor your name. Father, I want to also present before you our pastor in advance, that as he will stand before your people to speak, you will guide his thoughts and actions 
so that, Father, the message that he presents to us will reach us. And, Lord, I pray that you may also prepare our hearts and minds that when we receive the message, it will not be in vain, but it will draw us even closer to you. Let your will be upon the life of each one of us, Father, and we pray that each one of us will choose to honor you when we are faced with situations where we may have to make difficult decisions. Let your will be upon us now and forevermore, for this is a prayer, believing in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Old Testament reading is from Job chapter 38, verses 4 through 7. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together? and all the angels shouted for joy.
The Old Testament reading comes from the book of Job, chapter 38, verses 4 through 7. Wait, I'm sorry. The New Testament reading comes from, the chapter, comes from Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. And it says, But the angel reassured him, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. May the Lord bless the hearing of the word. What is the what is the difference between happiness and joy? Happiness is based on circumstances. It's a response in some ways. While joy transcends circumstances and perhaps maybe even we could say can defy circumstances. If I had a magic wand that I could just wave and give a spiritual gift to any of us, all of us in the congregation, one gift that I would wish for us all is the gift of authentic, legitimate joy. If we throw our minds back, as far as we can imagine, what we find is joy. Joy is a byproduct of love. Joy is part of creation. Fifteen years ago, next Friday, my wife and I got Mauied. We had a destination wedding to Maui, and on the morning of the wedding, I was stress-free. That's one nice thing about being in a destination wedding. And I was doing my devotional, overlooking the ocean, and I was reading from Job chapter 38. It speaks of creation, and it speaks of God laying down the foundations of the earth. And there's a part in verse 4 and 7 where it says, The morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That is the beginning. In the beginning, all of God's creation rejoiced and was filled with joy. That's how the biblical narrative starts, speaking of how God interacted with creation. That's the beginning. But then if you go as far as you can in the other direction, we find a similar joyful pleasure. John, in the book of Revelation, as he's writing from Patmos, explains the scene. There are 24 elders. Imagine, dignified people representing symbolically the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel. But in the scene that John sees, he sees these dignified figures representing all of time from beginning to that point. These dignified figures throw up their crowns into the air. I almost picture like a graduation scene. And these dignified figures say, worthy is the Lamb. They have a recognition, their value, their worth, their arriving at this moment in time comes because of what God did. And their part in it is to express with joy and thanksgiving 
Worthy is the lamb who was slain. The story of our faith, our very existence, begins and ends in joy. And between the beginning and the conclusion, there is joy. At the center of the whole biblical narrative comes the proclamation from angels announcing Christ's birth. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Before we read the passage from Luke chapter 2, we see that in this epiphany that the shepherds receive from the angels, there is this message of do not be afraid. And I want us to pause here for a second because many times before we have an epiphany, a breakthrough, an experience of peace and profound joy, we have things that we are afraid of. It's natural. It's human. We may be worried about our job. We may be worried about a relationship. We may be worried about our finances. And all of these things can cause fear. But remember, joy transcends circumstances, but you first need to have the epiphany. And this is the message that these shepherds in their field receive as the greatest message to humanity at this point comes. And it's a message, do not be afraid. This is Luke Chapter 2, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that there will be for all people today in the town of David a Savior who has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart Prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Did you know that this famous hymn, Joy to the World, was not initially written as a Christmas hymn? Isaac Watts, famous writer and uh, author of many of our hymns, was reflecting on the Psalms, Old Testament passages, especially to try to connect them to the Messiah in the New Testament. And as he was reflecting on Psalm 98, he wrote out many of the words that we have in this hymn today. He wrote it, let's see, the year 1719, and it was published in a book of hymns. And about a century later, these poems, and Joy to the World in particular, was put to music. and has become one of the most famous Christmas carols of all time. My favorite part of the hymn comes in the third stanza. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. And that language, that poetry, makes me think of this beautiful painting that I think of every time this time of year. It's called Mary Consoles Eve. And I just want to to briefly reflect on some of the things in here that really catch my attention. In Genesis, we have the story of the fall. We have Eve, who is tempted, and in many ways, she's been given this, I guess, notoriety of being the person that caused all of the problems we have today. That's a lot to bear. 
And Eve is feeling it in this picture. She can't even look up. She's looking down. She's sad. She wonders, is there hope? Is there a path forward? And in the painting, we see Mary, who is pregnant. Eve has her hand on the belly, and there's an expression of comfort, of hope, of joy that's on Mary's face, and she is crushing the serpent. In the Eden story, in in the beginning, in Genesis, sorrows come, but there's a promise. It's the first covenant in the Bible, in Genesis 3.15, and it says, through your seed will come one who will crush the serpent's skull. Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Jesus means he will save them from their sins. Jesus ultimately dies at the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And I like to imagine when this scene actually happens, when Eve meets Mary, there will be joy. There will be hope. The condemnation The feeling that I messed up, I fell short, is gone because it is all about the one who came to bring victory, who came to release us of the condemnation of our sins. Joy is the authentic response to pleasure. It's delight, satisfaction, contentedness. But joy also embodies hope that transcends the challenging circumstances we face. Listen to how James explains it in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, let's be authentic and honest about this just for a second, because if we don't slow down, this could be misunderstood. Last week, I told you that my wife and I had our car stolen. I can promise to you that my first reaction to that was not, yes, what a joyful experience. I was waiting for this to happen. That's not human. That's not real. But the text says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Hey, I just got COVID for the third time. Yes! Not natural. Not what the text is saying. But when we face trials of many kinds, an expression of our faith as Christians is to talk about that with God. God, this isn't fun. I'm lacking peace right now. Help me through this. In a healthy Christian community, We have people, spaces that we can come together for strength and in the vulnerability and authenticity of talking about the challenges that we face, we get comfort. We get hope and healing and over time this can lead to a perseverance that allows us to say, no matter what happens, I can have peace and I can have joy that is real because this is a real gift that God offers to us. Similarly, there's this statement within the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, and it could be translated where it says, blessed 
Another translation for that is happy. You've maybe heard this before, but it's counterintuitive, again, if we don't see the larger, deeper picture. Imagine, with the translation of happy, if we say, happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. Doesn't make sense at first. But when we say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be filled. Blessed, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. It's speaking to the larger transcendent reality that no matter what we're facing, we have hope in a God that sees and cares and understands our pain, and nothing can touch us when we're in this state. When we recognize that we have need, blessed are the poor in spirit, we realize that we can take these things to God. We need help, and in asking for help, we're comforted out of any circumstances we may find ourselves in. Joy is divine. It's a fruit of the Spirit. While feelings such as happiness usually come from external sources and are temporary, joy is an innate part of who you are and how you express yourself. I was listening recently to a graduation speech by an author and New York Times colonist named David Brooks. He took this speech on joy, differentiating between joy and happiness, and then made it into a column that he writes within his New York Times. He said, we tend to seek happiness in our lives. How could our lives be better if we seek joy? Two slides that highlight some of the things he was saying to the graduates about joy. First of all, happiness usually involves a victory for the self. Joy tends to involve the transcendence of self. Happiness comes from accomplishments, Joy comes when your heart is in another. Joy is the present that life gives you as you give away your gifts. The core point is that happiness is good, but joy is better. It's smart to enjoy happiness, but it's smarter still to put yourself in situations where you might experience joy. I was noticing as little baby Emma was coming forward today to light the candle, there is this innocence, a beauty, a simplicity. And notice when a child expresses joy, there is nothing fake about it, right? You, you can't hide it. The same is true for us. When we really embody it, there is no greater feeling. It's transcendent. What kindles the joy within you, within me, all of us, is unique. It could be the feeling of being surrounded by family and friends. It could be a purpose, a calling, fulfilling a mission of some sort. Whatever it is that rejuvenates your spirit, do more of that. The reward of living a more fulfilled life is worth the effort that it sometimes takes. The path to joy is ultimately a return to wholeness, a rediscovery of who you are and what makes you happy. It involves getting to know and move beyond your fears and insecurities, paving the way toward a more lightheartedness and laughter. Over time, life starts to unfold with ease and challenges are met with good energy and creative solutions. 
So how do we cultivate more joy in our lives? Here are five ways, briefly, that we might think to embody. Number one, find ways to be of service. It helps us get outside of ourselves sometimes. We all have challenges, we all have difficulties, but when we think, even in the midst of our own challenges, how can I help? What can I do? I think the way that God created us to be was that a gift, a byproduct of that, it, 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 it increases us with more joy. I've noticed this so many times. I've, I think I've mentioned it to you before too. There was a point in my life where I thought I had everything religiously figured out. I went to the Philippines, my wife and I did, to go save souls. But what I started to realize as I was there, I don't even know the language. I'm trying to teach math. And these people are being so much more of blessing to me than anything that I'm trying to do for them. And there are so many examples of that. We seek to be a help. But as the Apostle Paul said in, in Acts, like we did in our service series a while ago, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think it's a gift of God that he creates joy in this way. So find ways to be of service. Number two, practice gratitude. I want you to look around the church here for a minute. And you notice there's beautiful flowers and candles Outside, there's Christmas trees and lights. That doesn't just magically happen. And I want to say right now, I am thankful for our church members, for all of you that do the extra steps to make this church beautiful, to put the time in, to make the season special. Thank you. Each day in our families, in our homes, in our relationships, we have opportunities to have our antenna attuned to gratitude. And as we are attuned to being thankful, again, a byproduct of that is it creates joy in ourselves. Number three, live your truth. Now, some of you might be afraid of this phrase because it almost comes across as millennial or postmodern in some way. Here's what it means to me. Be authentic. Seek to be honest Nobody has it all completely figured out. But I've noticed in my own spiritual struggles at times, if, if I was trying to please the crowd, a religious hierarchy, but in my core, in my soul, I, I just thought that it was different. If I cannot be authentic, it destroys joy. It kills your very being. So as you try to figure out the complexities of life, be authentic to who you are called to be. And in so doing, there creates this integrity and wholeness that is most helpful to creating joy in your life. Number four, ask yourself, who is in your front row? Sometimes we can't control who is within our family, who's within our sphere of influence, but we can sometimes include more people in and set boundaries around toxic voices. Ask yourself, who is in my corner? Who wants good for me? If the voices that are continuing to penetrate into my thoughts that are taking away joy 
are not helpful and good, set boundaries around those and bring people into your life that are encouraging to you, challenging to you, want the best for you. It's important. And we can't control it all, but we can set boundaries and bring more people in that are in our corner, in our front row. And then number five, finally, stop comparing yourself and practice self-compassion. I've been thinking about this in conversations I've had with some of you as church members. We put so much value on our job, on our status, on our relationships. And what's interesting to me about this, it can happen at the youngest of ages, right? As parents now, the little clicks that we can see based on popularity or looks that happen at a kindergarten level and then just go from there, we could be like, man, it doesn't matter. But it doesn't just stop in grade school. We have the same comparisons, self-doubt, worries into adulthood. And if you could give yourself a gift, know that you are worthy and valuable because God created you that way. We don't need to keep comparing ourselves with others. Our value doesn't come from our job, our finances. Our value comes because you were created to reflect the image of God. Be compassionate to yourself. And Jesus put it like this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And as you receive that love and forgiveness, give it to others. And that creates authentic joy. Cultivating joy isn't necessarily easy, but it is worth it. Have you ever seen, have you noticed in your life that when things come too easy, sometimes they're less likely to be enjoyed. That's why I think there is such a visceral reaction when the Chicago Cubs in 2016 ended 108 years of failure, didn't win the World Series for 108 years, and then finally, in 2016, there was this reaction in Chicago of just utter joy. It got to the point, I'm gonna show a picture of this, where People all across Illinois were actually going to the cemetery, not to somehow raise the dead, but because with their family and those that were Cubs fans, it was like, hey, Dad, they finally did it. 2016, 108 years of failure, we won. And it was out of the, the struggle, the years of futility that finally made this moment euphoric. The Mariners may one day... <laughs> have their own moment of joy. All of those years of heartbreak culminated in victory and a joy that would have not have been so meaningful if it was not for the struggle itself. Isn't that why we also enjoy things like parenting? We go through sleepless nights, temper tantrums, literally being peed on and having vomit projectiled at us not because we enjoy those things, not because parenting somehow makes our lives easier. We parent and do hard things because of the love that we have for our children and because they are worth it. We do it because living life together as a family brings joy, even though at times it can be very hard. Jesus knows what hard things are like. 
He was willing to be despised and forsaken. He was willing to go through the trial of the cross because he believed that we were ultimately worth it. Notice how the book of Hebrews expressed this emotion within Jesus, all of the challenges that he knew were before him. Why did he go through Gethsemane? Why did he go on the cross? Hebrews puts it like this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are all called to carry our cross at times. God never promised that it would always be easy. But when we think of the promise, the joy that's set before us, the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit, of joy, we can endure hard things. And even in the hard things, we get this supernatural gift that, yes, this is worth it. We find peace in chaos. We find joy in even in difficult times, this is a spiritual gift. Now notice this. This is how I want to land this with you today. Oftentimes, as Christians, we think of, in the end, the thing that I want Jesus to say to me is, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Have you heard this? This is understandable, right? We want to get to the end point, go through the hard things, and then ultimately have Jesus say to us, well done. I want you to think of this as just a little bit differently, though. I don't think there is any one of us that will ultimately live up to those words, that ultimately fulfill that mission. Remember the closing scene. Revelation, the 24 elders, they throw their crowns because they have the epiphany and the realization that there is only one who is worthy, and his name is Jesus. No one, ultimately, in the end, deserves, earns the status of well done. Yet, we carry our cross. We do hard things not to earn the statement in the end, but because we've had the realization that Christ will journey with us through the hard things. And as we believe this promise, we will say, with all of creation, worthy is the Lamb. We have joy because of what God did, what God promised, and what God will do through us. The beginning, the middle, and the end is a story about joy. Yes, there will be difficulties along the way. Hold on to the gift and promise of joy. Count it all joy. Cultivate joy. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Thank you, congregation. It is a privilege and a blessing to be able to worship together. Before the closing prayer, if I could, I'll put up on the screen another advertisement for our block party today. And if you have not signed up for this yet, let me give a short plug. We would love to have you. And we have Erica and I think Pastor Raven able to sign you up today in the snack hall, or you can talk to any of us. And what it is, is we have a meal, snacks, dessert, food, and we're going to go through these various houses, starting at the Meridian, and we have lights kind of built within the path, there will be lights, and we'll sing and fellowship and also see the guest suites. And we would love, if you're free, starting at 4.30, going until 5.30, to sign up for one of those blocks, and all are welcome. There is lots of space and room. We have not filled as much space as we would like. So please consider it and talk to one of us, and we would love to see you there. And we didn't put a picture on purpose, but if you look in the middle, the new lake house and that the guest suite in the back has just been completed thanks to Kim and Charles. And I haven't even seen it myself yet, so I want to see it today. It's been furnished and is well done. So go and check it out, and we would love to have you participate in that today. At this time, let's pray, and then we will go in peace from here. Dear God in heaven, I pray at this moment for the gift of joy to be on everyone here. You know the things that we go through, the hardships, the challenges life, and we do pray for your Holy Spirit to fill us with joy and peace and kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Thank you that we can participate in church life as a Green Lake community, and may we go in peace now, we pray in your name, amen. Amen.